as we are kicking off fall 2018, as I mentioned, this is a new beginning again as a ch our church life. Uh, um, fall kickoff means that not only are the uh, kids and youth are being promoted to the next class, our home groups are kicking off the new season as well. And did you know this? Our church home group is not only hub, but the basic unit of our church. We almost, back in 11 years ago, almost called it home churches, house churches. Because, because uh, the emergent generation has so much of emotional baggage to attach to what house church looks like more convenience reasons and coolness hipster mentality we want to keep it at home group home groups that is uh, not just a typical small group as an addendum to real church uh, to make sure that the, as the church grows large and the people get connected relationally on small group setting. It's much more than that. Our each group, each of our home groups is a full-blown biblical community. And as I am putting this message together, even for me, it was a refreshing reminder. Um, so let's begin with this, some of the misconceptions about authentic community. Authentic community number one, misconception number one is it is where everyone is gelling well naturally. Do you remember Coors Light commercial? Like the sun is set and they have this nice big crabs and, and then someone is opening up Coors Light and then all these friends are sitting around and then one of the guys said, guys, it can't get any better than this. And just warmth, each one of us feel toward that. Or, or the, I don't know, you watch that sitcom. One of my favorite sitcom, <coughs> Cheers, the theme song is, the chorus goes like this, right? Uh, would you like to go every uh, would you like to go somewhere where everybody knows your name and that they are glad you came wouldn't that be that everybody's gelling well naturally well I want you to know this if that's the case even our family life Without trying, naturally, everybody's supposed to be good. But in where real people are, there is a conflict and there's tension. Actually, there's no conflict and drama. Life is no fun either. <laughs> the drama, and then some of you, uh, in, you know, writers know that conflict is the beginning of good storytelling. And I'm not advocating for conflict, <laughs> but I'm saying it's the reality. Conflicts are normative, not ab abnormal things. Number, uh, number two that leads to, we have this concept is if it's really good, authentic uh, community, there should be, shouldn't be any tensions, shouldn't be any conflicts. If two people agree on each other all the time, and there is no tension and conflict, one of them is lying. Let's remember that the real life, the part of uh, human life is experiencing conflicts and tensions. How we navigate from that determines whether it's authentic or pseudo community. Thirdly, Another misconception is it is where I feel love instantaneously 
all the time. Our generation is the generation, the feelings are really important. How I feel when I go to this place determines the value and worth of that place. And that's why church has become much like clubs. Um, Consumer-oriented place. I love LA Fitness. No, no commercial for LA Fitness. But when I walk in as a swimmer, I don't have to worry about anywhere I go, there's a swimming pool, LA Fitness. So I, I've been to Pasadena, meeting some friends, uh, visiting church friends, um, counseling sessions, you know, all the way to Alisa Viejo, the, the south of Irvine, Fountain Valley, so many places. It meets my need. I feel great. And we've carried that same expectation. And the worst of all is the pastors and churches trying to meet that need. How, how to satisfy spiritual customers of the day. I don't mean we have to be unkind and cruel and scare people off intentionally. But we need to think about the whole paradigm, what church is like, has been skewed from biblical concept. Fourth and lastly, it is where everyone is closely together through affinity. People who are really like each other. The same age group or same kids, the same life stage, and your kids and uh, you know, other kids are similarity and they get along. And this goes on everywhere in our culture, including church culture. About 20 years ago, there was a really popular concept of, for church growth. And that the book was sold, spread, uh, got popular everywhere. The principle is simply this, homogeneous principle. Meaning, when you walk into a church, Who's like me is the first question. In order to identify, relate, so you put people together they're like, and then the church will grow like crazy. What about uh, in our community that is so diverse and se several ethnicity lives? Oh, church will not grow if you mix them together. And even in our church, our vision is continually become diverse. We somehow made the church of Christ where people gather together, slaves and masters, rich and poor, would get together and become friends without Christ the center. They will never cross each other's. That's the church. We somehow made that church to a Christian club. You need to look like, even dress like, being educated in the same level. So with that in mind, let's read today's passage. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. This is where we got our vision. We want to become like Acts chapter 2 church. By no means Acts 2 church is a perfect church, but it is a good biblical model that we could continue to look to. Verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now notice these sentences seem flow as it sounds about right, but if you dwell upon some keywords that's pulsating with different kind of light and culture, we will feel that today's culture has been so much skewed. The first word is devoted. And we'll, we'll dwell on that a little bit later. The devoted idea is intentionality, deliberate, steadfast, sticking to it. In other words, habit. Essential habit was by intentional, deliberate devotion. There are four things they devoted to. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll think about that, study on that in, in just a few, um, couple of minutes. Second word is awe. It is not a human-centered relationships and gathering. Awe, the word awe or awestruck, is always related to sovereign God. There is, in a sense, fear of the Lord in that word. Along with joy of the Lord. Transcendent sense of God's presence and favor upon them. Without that, it is human organization. The Spirit's working. Lord being glorified. Deep, genuine, reverent respect was a sign of early church. Do we have that? I'm talking about contemporary church in today's world. Third word is together. Obviously, we are together as well. But if you notice that together was as a lifestyle of together, even the concept of going to church was foreign in the early church concept. What, what does it mean to be a Christian in 21st century? Go to church on Sunday. Not even, I mean, American culture these days, not even every Sunday. At least once a month or so, attend the services one and a half hour. If you go to secret sensitive, it's only one and 15 minute service. That's it. You pay the due. The rest of it is your life. But the togetherness happened every single direction. They were eating together. They're studying the word together. They're praying together. They're serving together. They're reaching out to the poor together. Did you get it? The small group concept is addendum to the large church to, to become sustained without people dropping out. And our home group is every direction of that togetherness need to happen. The finally, the day by day, it, the word day by day is there is no compartmentalization of this is my church life and this is my family life, home life, uh, my financial life, this is my career life. Under one God, sovereign God, everything was a congruent one life. And just the fact that their worship continued every day in their homes and in the temple courts 
as a large group and small group, small gatherings and large gatherings. So as we sense this, brothers and sisters, we need to become aware of this cultural trend to which we get sucked in as if that's the normality. That's the normal Christian life. No, I say. That's abnormal. If you look at book Acts 2. We ought to be the church rather than go to church. So in light of that, let me start with this depicting of what biblical, what authentic community is. Simple definition of authentic community is a biblically functioning community. The purpose is authentic community lives out oneness in Christ through mutual submission, love, and interdependence. This idea of community came from none other than triune God. God the Father is not God the Son. God the Son is not God the Holy Spirit. Three persons in one God. Perfect unity and oneness. Mutual submission and love and interdependence. We ought to live like that. The first sign of this authentic community is commitment. And I'd like to say perpetual commitment. Because, you know, once in a while you can make a commitment and forget about it. Perpetual commitment is it's nonstop that devotion idea happens. Perpetual commitment to this oneness, to love one another through thick and thin. So welcome to Crossway. The first sign of you being authentic Christian in our authentic community as we are trying to build the first sign and first cause that we need to think about from each other is perpetual commitment. And what's a hard work? Because there was a time there will be a time that you will feel like those cores like Commercial. I visited some home groups. Some home groups have like really good food and they're enjoying together. They're vacationing together. And there's a moment of just, just true satisfaction. But the same home group can go through this rocky road. There's a tension and conflicts and hidden things. It's afraid to confront each other and rock the boat. The hard work is hard work of resolving conflicts and celebrating diversity. We recognize each other's differences. But rather than seeing the difference as a threat, seeing the difference as something that we could celebrate. I often say to young couples who are struggling, which applies to every single one of us, you came here because you guys are so different from each other. You speak different language and you roll apart, dif different from each other, east and west. Can, can I ask you this? How did you have, you have three children, right? How did you have three children? Are you asking about sex? You know, no, no. Really think about how you want each other to be sane. You cannot. You you appreciate each other's differences, and you came together, <laughs> and voila. Instead of one plus one is two. 
One plus one became five. This is celebrating, but in the midst of it, there's hard work. And today is the time that we recommit to that hard work again. And the beautiful result and fruit of that is impact. Authentic community has a transforming power as salt and light of the world. Do you remember this? The passage at the end, look at verse 47. Praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day. From which we got our mission statement. The Crossroads vision is to be Christ's community, transforming community that impacts ourselves, that impacts our neighbors, all the people, and the world for Christ's sake and his glory. I really believe that if we are doing the authentic community right together, we're going to make an impact, huge, lasting impact. Coming back to the Acts chapter 2 passage, let's talk about devotions now. There are four devotions, I, I, as I mentioned. The, to devote the uh, original Greek proskaterio means to attend constantly, to give oneself in constantly, which means to do something steadfastly with intense effort, implying even when it's difficult. Early church did just that on four things. First one is devotion to apostles' teaching. The apostle teaching with capital A to 12 disciples. So disciples, 12 disciples were walking Bible, literally. The Christ teaching has been passed down unto them, and then Christ has given them his authority to them. So whenever he, they spoke, they were the words of Christ, which is in our, in our own Understanding it's the New Testament. The Old Testament prophets were the mouthpiece of God, right? So devotion to the apostles' teaching means paying attention to Scripture. This is where it all begins. Where Scripture guided community as an authentic community. On one person's opinion or the other person's uh, preference has no final authority. Even experts' opinion has no final authority in church. The scripture has the supreme and final authority of our conduct and all beliefs and doctrine. How we are to behave, including how to do church, how to manage church, how to do our staffing issues, Number two devotion was a devotion to the fellowship. Fellowship is very well-known Greek word koinonia. The koinonia is simply put sharing in common. But you know, if we don't look to what is really common. We look for the superficial things. Growing up, maybe you're like me. Fellowship time means, mean coffee and donuts after the church. We have a common in donuts. And some, some people in our church, health conscious people, don't even eat donuts. Not to mention gluten free people. What is common? Remember, I just mentioned 
back in the days in the early churches and slaves and masters gathered together. That doesn't happen socioeconomically. The rich and poor got together. How? Because the once common was sharing in common in Christ. Christ was the bond that glues everyone. I still remember visiting Wade and Helen 11, 12 years ago with my boys and my wife. First thing that we wanted to do is check out their underground church. And there, here was a grandma and a teenage girl sitting together side by side, tears of joy streaming down in their cheek, and the stapled copy of their hymn book. There was joy. You know what I've been trained to do? Affinity groups, a couples group, singles group, and senior citizens group, divorce group, uh, people who like mountain biking group. <laughs> That's not sharing in common in Christ. If grandma and teenager can share in common, certainly we need to pay attention what it is that we're common in, in our home groups and men's group and women's group. Yes, we're very different. It's not even ethnicity. It's not even same kind of culture. So because of that, their sharing came from deep within to outwardly everywhere. They literally sold everything and shared their material possessions together. And some people took it as, oh, communism. I'm against communism. This is not communism. This is called communalism. There is no forceful society going in. Government happening. It's all volunteer. No one has to share everything. So if you look at what we're doing too, as the love grows, there's so many common and sharing happens in a very sacrificial way. Our lunch rotation is one of them. But remember in the sun, Sunday morning when you come, there is no church budget for providing whatever the pastry and coffee. I don't want to embarrass, but you know, Malu and Kent, out of their desire to share in common, they serve. Number three. Second, third, third devotion is to the breaking of the bread. And there is also the gladness of food sharing, sharing food. And obviously this breaking of the bread has a connotation of the Lord's Supper, communion. Which meant it was worship. But worship was not one of one size, everything is in one category. In the temple courts, and then they did, they broke bread in every day in their homes as well. So which means that small and large gatherings of worships were happening. That's why on Sunday morning, it's like a temple course coming together. Said, what a wonderful, joyous time, celebration of gravity and gladness in the Lord together. But also face-to-face -face relational time in our home groups and men's group and women's group, is as critical as Sunday morning. At Crossway, the reason why it's hard to do church life is unlike the consumer-oriented church, when you go to Sunday morning one and a half hour again, that's a minimum pay due. You are okay, Christian. And then if you're a little more serious, you get involved in a small group. And, it, and it, as you get involved, you get more serious, you volunteer to serve somewhere. And if you get a little more serious, you lead something. And at our church, welcome to Crossway. Being part of our church on Sunday also means part of our home groups and men's groups. 
and we serve together and we commit to each other. With a little bit of caveat, for those of you visiting, there's a lots of grace room. So you will not be put on ro lunch rotation. Some of you are eager to participate now. They're going to they're gonna wait until you go through more orientation, you go, go through some type of adjustment. So enjoy while you can. Number four, it is devotion to prayer. Did you notice that in your Bible? If you look at any, uh, if you look at ESB, the more literal translation said devotion to the prayers. Is that a bad language? I mean, bad grammar. They're supposed to be to prayer. They're intentional in that. Why? Because Jewish community in, in the temple, there was a set times of prayer. And if you look at even Acts 3, Peter and John are going up to the temple to pray because it was a time for noon and 3 o'clock. Which meant, maybe we should think about getting together corporately formal prayer, and even this coming sun Saturday, there's another bi-weekly prayer meeting. Come join us. This is one of the devotions we need to have. Obviously, informally, individually, in your home, you pray for church, you pray for one another, pray for Boy and Cindy, and Steve and his family, and other three couples. So here it is. Authentic community is a biblically functioning community, which means it is a scripture-guided community, a caring, sharing community, a worshiping community, and praying community. Sharing and, sharing and caring community has the outburst to the non-Christians as well. Not just the, all about us. Um, because of our love, for Christ compels us. Remember that? Okay, for the remainders of time, I want to focus on some the application side of how we could recommit to live in authentic community. I suggest there are four movements needed from superficial things to the real things. Number one, I'm going to read that later. Number one is that to move from superficial relationships to deep commitment that cultivate genuine relationship. Why is deep commitment important? Because it provides safety. John, First uh, John three sixteen says, "By this you, you, we know love." that he laid, Christ, lay down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Remember, every human being has faults, so every human community has conflict and tension. This is how modern church has dealt with it. And if you don't like what's going on, and you, you don't want to confront that person, it creates uncomfortable feelings. So you avoid by going to another side of the church. The problem is our church is too small. You can't go any other, any other place. Maybe you could sit over there and then you have a conflict with some people. You could sit over there. That's probably it. But that's not, unco that's not comfortable enough. So what, what's a typical thing that modern church Christians do? Just go to another church. There's several churches out there. Even the big churches that you could slip in and slip out, no one noticed, no one bothers you. But if you are to determine to live authentic Christian life, we need to move from superficial 
way of doing relationships to, to make a deep commitment. What we are doing in terms of cultivating authentic community, we're not growing bean sprouts. That takes just overnight, a few days. But if you build, if your intention is to build a forest of oak tree, you plant a, lo a lot of seeds, and you will pay attention to and tend to that, but wait patiently. The forest to come, it will take a hundred years. To make a commitment and cultivate the tree of authentic community in your home group, in your men's group, in your woman's group. It will take time. Don't give up. Don't check out. By doing this, we basically say to each other, I accept you just as you are. Rather than I settle for less so I won't get hurt. The new passion in so doing, we need to think about Christ-centered relationship rather than affinity-centered relationship. I, I like myself, but it, how, think about how boring it will be. Everyone looks like me, talks like me, acts like me. <laughs> it scares you right now, right? <laughs> the same way. Think about everyone looks like you and everyone acts like you, everyone thinks like you. Number two movement, we need to move from cynicism to vision for one another. This is the time that we need to revive our vision again. Because by this time, after 10 years, even marriage, you get cynical. And we get cynical about each other, cynical about real changes, whether we could really change, whether someone else can real cha really change, whether I could really change. John 1, 42. Andrew brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas. Aramaic, Greek, I mean Hebrew, which means Peter, Petrus, Greek. Meaning, both meaning, rock. If you read through the gospel, you see how flamboyant, obnoxiously impulsive Peter is. Nothing stable like rock. But Jesus had vision for Peter. When you become more like me, when you grow in Christ, you will become Petra. Everybody can depend on you, that you are stable, you're going to provide the foundation and rock and stability. I wonder, even if just a few seconds, if we envision our church, and better yet, close down to our home, home group people. Looking at, in our mind, face by face and envisioning for Christ. Have dreams for them in our men's group and women's group. What would that look like?
I, I hope you continually pray for me and envision Christ's anointed vision for me. I would be the first person to admit my fault, my brokenness. And even adjusting with Kate through this moving past few weeks has been just incredibly difficult because it just accentuated our differences. Number three movement is move from being merely nice to moving into each other's lives. Uh, two passages just to give us encouragement of spiritual scripture guidance. First John 1.18, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Not just conceptual love, not just language and lingos, but really loving each other, moving into each other. Not just in a very <coughs> confrontational, challenging and rocking the boat way, but really tender, loving way. We hired movers this time there is a really deep desire in me. I, I don't want to be burdened, always needing help from others. But on one side of my mind, my mind is practicing, sharing in common is to giving the opportunity to serve, for them to serve us as we serve, serve others. To wash each other's feet means that I need to be willing to be washed by other brothers and sisters. So I opened it up. I, I really am so glad a few few guys and uh, Jamie come out. It's such a help, more than just physical help. I was just so encouraged. I'm glad I didn't say, okay, we hired movers. Don't come. We don't need any help. The next day was Jimmy and Jessica's move. Although I didn't do a thing. I just walked around and sitting around. This is now his house. And I get an email from Jimmy. Thank you so much coming out. It was so much great encouragement and help. I, I didn't do anything. I didn't even lift one thing. <laughs> Another verse is Proverbs 27 verse 17. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. You guys hear about my brother from time to time. And this is one of those things that when my brother confronted me about something very gently It stings. But at the same time, it becomes a trigger point of my submission to the Spirit's guiding, leading. Do we allow each other as sisters and brothers or between sisters and, bro sisters and brothers to sharpen each other? Your honest, constructive feedback is welcome. How do we play? Why do we play safe? I mean, nice. It's a safe play. Uh, it's not my place to say this. Of course, we need to speak truth in love. But it, we just don't want to get involved. That's the uh, attitude we have. But we need those friends who roll up the sleeve, doesn't mind getting hands dirty. Uh, literally last night, I don't want to embarrass you, Steve, and I am not a handyman. Uh, we have a pr plumbing problem, and Steve comes over. I just want him to take a look at it, what, what I should do from that point on. He didn't even ask what to do. He just went down and got hands dirty. And I felt so bad. Like, you know, you want me to bring some mat so you could lie down? You know, it's hard story. And 
He says something like, cocks men don't need anything. <laughs> so, something like Getting hands dirty together. Oh, I don't want to be awkward with him or with, with her if we talk things like that. Oh, that's part of real life. Here's your teenage boy who's struggling with sexuality. You don't want to you, you don't want to say, oh, I, I, I hate to talk about bees and flowers with him. <laughs> you got to talk. Even if your son... <laughs> literally said to me, can we stop talking about this? This makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> I still talked. <laughs> Number four, <coughs> final movement is move from seeking second things first to seeking first things first. This means authentic community is a discerning community. Matthew six thirty three. but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. All these things are second things. Kingdom of God, rule of God, and His will is our first thing. How do you define? The easiest way is second things are what people desire. Wealth, meaning noble people, what they want for me, including myself. First things are what God desires. Sometimes it it looks very blurry between the two. But when we think about some things, especially when we are helping each other, hearing each other's story, the second thing is we quick to fix each other and give advice. Have you done this? Have you done this? But discerning means that we listen with spirit's desire. What does God desire here? In case in point, there's a stories about um, the children having difficulty uh, when your parent and discipline problem happens. The second thing is behavioral modification of that child so that you could make outcome that you desire come out. First thing, that our surrender of control to the Christ, God who resigns in our hearts, and that son or, or, or daughter. Second thing, Sending our kids to good college. First thing, praying for their surrender to Christ, living under God's control. What do you desire? Would you align with what God desires and seek first thing first? Or would you become just like the world? In Orange County, typical Christian family who are sucked into the affluence and the comfort and the goal becomes child, a materialistic society of success. That's the second thing. We miss first thing in the middle of all. And I've seen all, time after time the parents regret at the end of the years when they become a total non-Christian walking away from the church. They might be successful with their career. But you know in eternity, without Christ and salvation in Christ, this means nothing. Let's see God's best for each other. Rather than fixing each other, we're saying, I pour God's best into you. And I desire God's best for you. Let's discern together. 
when our authentic community flourishes, maybe we will have glimpses of this kind of fruit as well. Michael Green, who is a New Testament theologian that focuses on early church movement, writes this in his book. What is more, this infectious enthusiasm on, on the part of such diverse people of differing ages, backgrounds, sex, and culture was backed up by the quality of their lives. He's referring to the Christians in the first centuries. Their community life, though far from perfect, was nevertheless sufficiently different and impressive to attract notice, to invite curiosity, and to inspire discipleship in an age that was as pleasure-conscious, as materialistic, and as devoted of serious purpose as our own, paganism saw in early Christianity a quality of living and supremely of, of dying which could not be found elsewhere. Crossway, that's our vision. If we live out our vision of authentic community to be salty and to be light in the world, we will attract notice that many will glorify the name of the Lord and come to the salvation as well. So when you go back to home group, would you think about this? How, how should I change my mindset? What is the first thing that I could do? And we, we will obviously uh, think about these three questions that will help. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for kick-up day. And thank you that you have shown favor upon our church and how joyful our lives past, over the past 10 plus years have been. We do pray that you will remind us and help us to renew our commitment and regroup together to center our lives around you and our community. Oh God, we pray for that saltiness. Encourage us in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.